Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, innovative sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Black Sheep Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to sell differently than the mainstream status quo so you can grow your profits and impact without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is with Jenny Wright. She's an expert in email list growth and lead generation with over a decade of experience helping business owners achieve their marketing goals. She's the creator of the List Injection Method, a system that uses inbound attraction and permission marketing to help clients and audiences generate leads. With a track record of building over 375 plus lists, Jenny has a deep understanding of the essential steps to creating events that not only attract ready buyers, but also build trust and engagement with audiences. Jenny's mission is to empower business owners with intelligent and authentic marketing, lead generation, and business growth strategies that drive bottom line results. She's a sought after speaker and consultant who inspires audiences with her expertise, passion, and practical advice. And of course, she's also a beautiful black sheep. Welcome to the big show. Let's go. Oh, I'm are so you happy. Ready? This is going to be so much fun. Okay. I, yes, no. it is going to be so much fun. Okay. So I love how you have dialed in summits because usually it is a very overwhelming event. How did you get started with choosing, because there are so many marketing strategies and you are an expert at all of them. What made you choose summits? Hmm, That's a good question. I think I chose summits because they create like a list injection, right? So everybody's trying to get really good quality leads. And I think that a lot of people approach marketing from a very broad perspective, like all the leads are good leads. I want all the leads. And a summit makes you focus in and niche in on the specific people that can be a potential lead, I think more closely. And so I think you get better results overall. And so it was a really focused approach of like helping people actually do better, sell better, build better businesses in the long run by focusing on this one sales strategy, this one lead gen strategy that actually helps. Yeah. And just so everybody's clear, when she says lists, she's talking about an email list and email is a huge part of your summits. So I know you just have like basically these templates that you customize to people, but there's a lot of emails that go out that need to go out before, during, and after a summit. And that's part of what makes it so overwhelming because you're managing the speakers and you're managing the audience. (laughs) So It, It can be overwhelming, but if you have somebody to help you or you get the templates, it simplifies it really quickly. And with the advent of like really cool AI tools, it actually makes it a heck of a lot less overwhelming than people think if you build in the right amount of planning trying to do this overnight, yeah, Alicia, it's going to be freaking overwhelming. It's going to drive you nuts. But if you build in the right amount of time, it's going to feel like a little bit here and there, and it's not going to feel like so much. Okay. I mean, that's probably true about most things in life. Um, What is the timeline that you recommend? I, I need to do it really, really effectively. I need about 120 days to about 160 days. That's that's the, you know, the lowest I'll go is 120 days, right? So like that's four months, right? And that, um, that feels really, really comfortable for most people. You can fit that in. You can still take weekends off. You can still go away with your family if you need to, you still have your life, right? 
If you're trying to do a summit in less than 90 days, it's, it's all consuming and it will, I mean, you'll hate it. I'll hate it. It's just not a comfy place. You can do it. I mean, if you want to go be badass and do that, go for it. But comfort and uh, fitting into your life, 120 days or more. And if you're running a six or seven figure business and you want to add in all the bells and whistles to make it like stupendously cool, you're adding in a little bit more time because you want better, you know, different speakers, different platforms. You need more time to plan. There's more graphics and this, that, and the other. So that's about the range. And I just realized that I should set the stage for everybody of what a summit is. Um, it's an event where you host. Well, why don't you tell us, Jenny? <laughs> I can. What? I mean, you understand them really well, but I will. So a summit, just as you said, is an event. It's an online event. It's usually either a one, two, three, or possibly four day event. And you are the host and you invite a bunch of expert speakers to talk about a certain topic. Those speakers either provide a pre-recorded session or you record a session with them that's, pre you know, that you pre-record with them. Some people do them live. I will tell you it's a nightmare. Please don't do it because poopy things go wrong. And your speakers actually promote to their audience and let them know that they're appearing on this event, which allows you to get in front of audiences you never could before in a very fast way, right? So it's faster than a lead magnet. It's faster than a webinar in terms of the amount of people you can get in front of. Your speakers promote it. You usually make an offer towards the end of it. And you also have a built-in offer in the summit. So you're, you know, you're getting to know speakers, you're building leads, you're building up your email list, you're networking, you're making sales, and you're priming the pump for whatever it is that you want to sell afterwards. Okay, great. Yeah, I've seen people do like the VIP upgrades yeah. within the um, summit itself and stuff. And then there's often something that the the host can offer that's related to the topic of the summit. And so when you learned to do summits, did you learn from somebody and like what I'm, I'm guessing you have since then created your own spin on it that you feel is more effective? Yes. And yes, I learned the summit model in uh, 2012 and early 2013. Uh, I actually, <laughs> when I became an entrepreneur, I had no money and I had no skill because I was working in a completely different environment. I was a investor relations and communications and gold mining and when I came and did this, yeah, right, total random. And when I started doing this, my friend decided or suggested that I become a VA. She told me what it was. I had no idea. I made an account on Fiverr and I started doing Fiverr gigs. Kid you not. So I was hired by a girl who was doing a summit and she needed summit speakers research. This was my first introduction. So my first exposure to this was research the speakers. I figured that out. And I'm like, oh my God, everybody's doing this really, really dumb. Like they're I don't, I shouldn't say dumb. That's mean. They weren't doing it as efficiently as they could have. And mm -hmm. so I figured that out. And then I figured out the rest of the summit and uh, learned all the bits and pieces. And then I started offering it. So, but I didn't like the way they were being done because it used to be 21 speakers over 21 days. Alicia, nobody does Ooh. anything for 21 days anymore. That is so long. It is. And one speaker interview would go out every single day for 21 days. And then... Then you spent the next six weeks trying to convince this, the, the attendees for your event to participate in whatever program, product, or service you wanted them to buy. So you had to like spend the next six weeks warming them up. So it was three, it was three months of planning and then 
literally almost, you know, two, just, yeah, it was like just over a month, month and a half before you could actually sell something to them. I'm like, nobody has time to wait almost five months to make a sale. You're, you're a whole new person. Yeah. That's half a and baby. It, it's half a baby. And in my case, it was an eviction notice on my door. Ooh. Oh yeah. If you need money. My rent. Yeah. You need income sooner than that. I did. So what, what was the thought process behind that? Was it like, oh, we don't want people to have to see a bunch of stuff in one day. So it's just one a day. And so it's easier to consume, but like people don't stop showing up obviously. And not everybody wants to see every single speaker. I'm sure there's a benefit to being able to pick and choose. There is. Now I'm, I'm data related, right? Like I love data in my previous jobs. I would like log weird data points because I like data points. And so I started logging the data points and summits and everybody was dropping off after day 12. And then after a little while, they were dropping off after day 10. And then it was day seven, and then it was day five. So the, we, as we went along, in, in 2013 and 2014, and even into 2015, we were still hosting um, like 14-day events, 10-day events, and then seven-day events because the attention capacity kept dropping. Huh. Right. And so I just kept seeing the data change and I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to keep moving with the data because if we do a 21 day event, when the average person's attention span is seven days, we're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I mean, and the, also like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, please. Well, I was going to say like the benefit you were saying it took so long too to do it and to sell. And I'm sure one of the benefits of having a virtual event as opposed to a physical event is lower overhead and a quicker turnaround time to do it. So when you're doing it, like where it's taking that long, like six months and all this stuff before and after, it's like, there's almost no benefit to it compared to a physical event. Yes. A lot of that was happening. And then you know, I kept refining, kept refining and kept refining. We got it down to a three day structure with a four, like day four being like the sales offer kind of day, depending on what you do. Like, so coaches and consultants and stuff like that can make those offers, but people with like courses and stuff, those people can sell throughout the event. And so I actually found a way to add in, incorporate, sort of meld in people's offers right into the, those VIP packages and packages you mentioned earlier. So we were getting, not only now were we getting the sales of those VIP packages, but now we were getting sales of the post summit offer during the summit. Right. And so this works for like people who have big conferences. We sell like seats to those conferences in the VIP package mm -hmm. now. So if you have that, that works. If you have a $30,000 mastermind, we sell like a 10 day free exclusive trial of that, you know, that mastermind and so that can go in the VIP and then you can offer that. So there's, there's a myriad of different things that you can do to ensure the sale of the program product or service actually during the summit. And then you're reaping the rewards of that for months and months to come. And you still have a really like tap, like you can tap into the rest of those leads who didn't, weren't taking the first offer. You can tap into those for like the next six months or nine months until you do your next big list build event. That is so cool because then essentially it's one event with enough leads for the entire year, but not in one fire hose because if it comes in at once with a huge injection, it's like too overwhelming. So this is really nicely spaced out so that you can really make the most of each opportunity. Yes. And especially if you're doing your own sales calls, 
right? So if your clients have to do <clears throat> their own sales calls, the way you can spread it out after the summit really makes sense because then you're not doing like 75 sales calls in the 10 days post-summit. Oh, you would be so exhausted. Alicia, I did 98 sales calls in uh, 14 days. I mean, there's just no way that you're quality on those no, calls. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. So I, and this was years ago when I was trying out that method because everything I try out, like everything I do on summits, I try it on myself first, mm-hmm. see if it works. And then I implement it for my clients. Like my clients are not the guinea pigs I am. So I was like, this is BS. Like I'm getting crappy leads. I've, you know, my entire calendar has been taken over for 98 calls and I'm getting crap and I'm getting no shows. You know what it's like. You, you talk about sales all the time and it didn't feel uh, aligned. So it needed a change. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like my personal hell and I'm in sales. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. So you also, we were talking about before the podcast that there is a common issue that people a mistake they make with summits mm-hmm. that you notice that directly affected their sales. Can yeah. you share that with us? Absolutely. It's, it's the transfer of credibility. So that's from your speakers who are going to promote the event and let people know that the event is happening and that they're going to be speaking on it. So their audience knows nothing about you. And in the, you know, the previous way that I saw a lot of people doing it, the speakers only spoke about themselves. Hey, it's Jenny. I'm appearing, you know, I'm going to be on this event. Come check me out. My talk is about ABC and XYZ. It's going to rock. You can't miss it. And that was it. And that didn't talk about the fact that Alicia was hosting it. It didn't talk about the fact that it was the black sheep method. It didn't talk like black sheep sales method. It didn't talk about anything. Didn't give any credibility to you as the host. And as a result, even during the summit, we had a really big issue of transferring credibility from the speaker to the host. And that means that the host has to do more work to do any kind of sales. Right. Mm. And that was the big struggle. So we had to change that. And so, you know, I developed this system where the transfer of credibility happens during the promotion and Mm. actually in the runway before promotion, where you do things with your speakers and the speakers do things with the host So people in their audiences start to get to know them. Like you really don't want to create whiplash. You know this, like you can't do something that people go, what the you know, what the crap is happening? Who is this person that is suddenly in your network for like two weeks? And we hear everything about this, you know, this, this project that you're doing. And then afterwards we hear nothing. So it's very disingenuous. It doesn't show any, you know, it just shows that it's very transactional and transactional. People don't like transactional. They, they don't uh, connect with it. They want real community and real relationships. So you've really got to do that in the event to create that transfer of credibility. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I've been part of, for anyone listening, I've been part of some of the summits that Ginny is helping the hosts. And I've been part of summits where Ginny is not helping the hosts. And it's a very (laughs) different experience. So I know as a speaker, there are these like speaker hosting calls that the host will have and all the speakers will meet each other and also talk to the host and really like have a good time together. Because I mean, honestly, there's so many speakers a lot of times on these events that don't know each other. And it's hard for them to tell their audience why it's great to look at the event as a whole and not just their session. So it's nice to know who else is there, what they're about and get to know the host better instead of just being like, Oh, I'm, I'm taking, like I'm speaking. So I'm just going to take and promote my 
session and not say anything about the speaker or the host. So nobody knows who they are and why they matter. It's just all for me and none for them, which is just not cool. No, it sucks. It's really not cool. And it happens. It happens a lot. Like if you make a summit really transactional, just like a relationship, if you make a friendship transactional, when you need somebody and you need that person to kind of be there for you and help you and support you, they're not going to be because they're not going to feel like there's any fairness. They're not going to feel like there's any love or appreciation or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So if you take it off the transactional wheel and you put it into the relationship building wheel where you actually care about your speakers and you're, you know, you create that, you know, sort of familiarity with them, they're going to feel a lot more aligned to actually promote and even do stuff with you afterwards. Like the summits that I like to build are the ones where the speakers are like, oh my gosh, these are really cool people. I think I want to do something with them. And then they have all the speakers on their podcast, which I think is fun, or they do masterminds with them or they create programs with them or um, some of them even like meet in person. It's, it's really cool. And I love when these kinds of things happen um, because then you get to know people. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build these businesses and, you know, you're, you're, you're far away from me, like geographically, but getting to know you a little bit when you've been on the summits that I've created or as a speaker on the ones that I host, that means that I know a little bit more about your life and I'm invested. And that way I can go like, hey, how's, you know, how's your baby doing? How's your life? How's this and that? You get the opportunity to know people as a human being. And I think everybody kind of craves that because again, we're like, I'm sitting in my office, you're sitting in your office and we can be in here eight hours a day and not know anybody. Yeah. It sounds like there's such a shift from like other summits are just about getting the attendees emails Mm -hmm. and the way that you're approaching it. It's really getting to know the speakers is a big part of it as well as getting to know the attendees. So it's like the other people are missing half of the equation or the opportunity by only focusing on attendees. Correct. And as your speakers and you develop a relationship, guess what else happens naturally? You get referrals. They actually sell for you. Uh, They'll push your VIP package. They'll get up and give testimonial as to how great you are, which helps you with sales. You'll actually have a better result with better attendees because they'll promote better. Your, Your speakers will actually talk differently about the summit than just copying and pasting the promotional materials that you give them. They'll go above and beyond. Like I've, I've seen people do some really cool stuff for the above and beyond piece of being on somebody's summit. You just get a better overall result. And you get that feeling from the attendees afterwards where it's like, wow, this was really different. This was really cool. And people really have a better experience as an attendee, which means they find it more memorable, which means they find you more memorable, which means when they're thinking of a problem they're having and you have the right solution, you're the person they think of, like of coming, you know, going forward. Yeah. I mean, that what you're talking about is just basically adding value. So Mm -hmm. anytime you add value and and, and give instead of just take, the result is always so much better. And that applies to anything in life, especially sales. Um, so what are the common surprises that when people undertake a summit, they're always like, oh, I didn't expect this. What are those? Good or bad? Both. Okay. Uh, good. They can't even understand all the different opportunities come from it. So our, our mutual friend, Katie... I did a summit for her last year called uh, the Social Profit Lab. And the result of her summit was she got actually booked to speak in person. So she made money from speaking in person 
that was a total surprise, right? She was able to do some really cool sales for the products that she was offering. So she actually got some clients from that and her soft skills improved. Uh, so writing and I mean, she's already great with writing. She's already great on video, but it was just like these little tweaks. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say that a lot of my clients find that they, the networking is like the best part ever. So they love the speakers and then they love the Facebook group. If they want to build one, they love that too. Right. So those are good things. Um, the things that kind of surprise people they didn't expect is that if they do make it transactional, which by the way, does happen quite naturally for a lot of people because they're kind of freaked out is the fact that people don't promote. Mm. So they're like, I had a conversation. The person said they would, you know, I reminded them of promo promotion. They said they would. And then when it came time to promote, they did not like, why, why are people like that? I said, well, there's some people in life that are just like that. They'll say they'll do the thing and then they don't do the thing. But if you make it transactional, it makes it worse. Yeah. That's what I've heard is that sometimes speakers will just absolutely ghost. And I think like everybody's overwhelmed and has a ton of stuff on their plate. So even if you're spoon feeding somebody, like here are the templates to promote. Yeah. People are just like, whoops, it doesn't make me immediate money and it's not my summit. So I don't care or something, but it's a really terrible feeling. And it kind of makes you question humanity a little bit. So a little bit. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Is there a way to like vet and make sure that a speaker isn't like that? I'm sure you can't always tell. No, you can't always tell, but I've gotten it down to a process that means that out of a group of like 50 speakers, I'm, I mean, don't have 50 speakers on your summit unless you absolutely hire a team. But if you had 50 speakers, I can usually get that down to about four or five. Whereas mm -hmm. prior, like prior to that, if you had 50 speakers, it was probably about uh, a quarter didn't promote. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of things we do to like mitigate it make sure that people actually promote. And it has to do with the speaker, like the, the, the pre-summit speaker call, like when you're actually talking to them and doing like your, your 15 minute, you know, pre-call kind of thing, that'll do it. Um, actually, Connecting with people, again, doing the follow-up and staying in their world, getting to know them, asking them about their pets, like, oh, you like pugs, that's awesome. I, you know, blah, 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 like those kinds of things. Relating to people on a human basis. But the other thing is uh, the follow-up, right? So I have all those emails written. So it's basically like copy, paste, send. And uh, <laughs> I do have an email that I love to send, but I only send it in like the most desperate circumstances. Mm. And it's the, you know, have you... Have you fallen under a rock? Have you died? Have you, are you alive? Yes. Are you alive? Are you still with us? And if you are, uh, please let me remind you of the fact that you said you would do this. And if you're not going to do this, then I don't feel obligated to keep you in my event. It's just business. It ain't personal. I wish you all the best. That email? Holy moly. Because if the people have been going on saying, oh, the dog ate my homework and I didn't get this done or like I've had, I've heard every excuse, like, you know, my, my garage roof fell on my car. Like I've heard everything from speakers, <laughs> everything. Uh, and, um, that's the, that's the one email that makes people go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. All these things happened, but I'm on it. I'll promote tomorrow. Well, that's encouraging that people are like, I'm an asshole. Maybe I should not be one. Like, it's great. Yeah. That yeah, you know? it just, it kind of puts the light on them and kind of makes people realize like, them go, oh crap, I really was being a jerk and maybe yeah. I shouldn't be a jerk. And if I continue to be a jerk, there's circumstances for it. Like there's repercussions. She's going to take me off the event. I'm not going to get the exposure that I was hoping to get for no work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm. Well, you've been doing these for so long. I know that it probably varies, but what is the average amount of emails that someone can expect to get on their list? It varies so, so much. Mm. If I can give you a better answer, it would be you get more niche in leads than you would from pretty much any other list build opportunity, uh, except bundle offers or giveaways. But I'd say the average person who is in the five figure space can probably bring it, bring in between a thousand to 2,500, uh, or more depending on their ability, skill and budget. The bigger businesses that have money they can put towards ads mm. and think about this, you're either depending on your ad budget and also your audience, you can be spending between 10 and $40 per lead on paid, but like paid ads for, for yeah. a summit. So do the math on how many leads you want to get, but you can get anywhere between, I don't know, again, you can have like a thousand or you could have five, 10, or even 15,000. Like I've, I've done summits that have pulled in like 10 K 15 K in registrants, but there's, wow. There's something behind that, right? So you have to have different levers at different levels. Mm. And one thing I will say is don't think that the big speaker, the big guru is going to get it for you because they're not. Probably because they don't promote really, huh? Yeah, they don't. So they, they, those people really, uh, they protect their audience, right? And mm -hmm. also because they've got these huge lists, 30K, 150K, whatever size list they have, there's a lot of segmentation in there and mm. they've been around for a while too, probably. So what they did five years ago is not what they're doing now, but they still have people on that list that haven't unsubscribed. So they tell you they have 30,000 people, but mm. the amount of people that are actually dialed in and could benefit from what you do is a lot less. Okay. Well, so it sounds so like you honestly do more than just marketing with the summit. You're helping, helping with the business strategy behind it. So like what offers are we going to include? When are we going to offer them? How does it relate to the topic? What you're going to do with the speakers and like even designing offers specifically for this, which is incredibly valuable. And I don't think, mo I, I don't think most summits, people doing that are offering that level a strategy and advice, and it makes all the difference in yes. somebody getting results. And you really can only offer that kind of advice after doing them for how many years is that? 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. Oh my gosh, yeah. Alicia, that's a long time. Um, yeah, <laughs> 12 years. Right. But I, I mean, I produce summits and I produce online events because I love sales, right? So I love sales calls. I love doing sales. I love talking to people because I, I know that sales isn't really about like sales. It's, it's about a conversation and being true to who you are and everything that you talk about so well. Um, and, and when I saw it, when I got to see you speak in person, I was like transfixed because you were so great about explaining the black, the black sheep sales method and what it actually means that I, I mean, if I wasn't already like an, you know, an acolyte of what you talk about in sales, I was after that. So yeah, it's, it's about making sure that people understand that um, a summit has to revolve around a central point, program, product, service, offer, and then you build the summit out around it so that everything feels like in complete alignment. Because if it doesn't, what happens, right? If, if, if there's too many things going on, people get confused and stop. If it's not the right offer, but the summit was about, like I actually, this happened. I had somebody come to me. They were a raw vegan uh, coach 
food coach. Mm. And they did a summit where it was just all about food. And so they had, you know, omnivores, carnivores, uh, 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 vegetarians, like everything. And so they built this big, beautiful list. They had amazing speakers. I mean, the speakers were like world known. They were just huge. And then they had this big, beautiful list, but it wasn't niched in. And after the event, they started making an offer for their raw vegan uh, course. Yeah. And they lost more than half the registrants. Yeah, I mean, omnivores and carnivores are not trying to do veganism. No, no. Especially the people, like she had a huge paleo speaker. Yeah. And the like paleo diet, right? And keto. She had huge keto people on there. And those people brought in the most amount of registrants and they were the biggest amount of people that left. Because keto is like, unless you're doing vegan keto, but I mean, keto is high protein, you know, high fat, high fat. low yeah. carb. Yeah. I mean, that's just a great example of, I mean, obviously, objectively looking from the outside, we can say, how could she think that? But this type of stuff happens all the time when you're too close to it. Yeah. So that is a good stopping point for us. And we've reached yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. Um, thank you so much again, Jenny, for coming on the show and being our guest today. And can you tell everyone how they could find out more about you and how they could work with you? Yes, please. I really appreciate it. And this is fabulous. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, so I just got my website redone. So go to JennyWright.com. Uh, it's Jenny spelled with an I-E. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, that's the platform I'm mostly on there, like quite a bit, or on Facebook. And again, it's uh, on Instagram, it's Jenny L. Wright. So go and find me there and connect. And uh, yeah, LinkedIn as well. But yeah, I'm the same name everywhere. So just go find me there. Yeah. And you guys definitely go check out Jenny because she has this approach that's like, you don't need to do anything that you don't want to do. And there are lots of options that make it effective. And it's just great to have someone who has seen so many different variations and versions to really be able to offer something that is custom to whatever you need and feel good about without it overwhelming you. So definitely go check Ginny out. And this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pain, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.